in the not too distant future. Following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to The Last Comic Shop. Meanwhile, back beneath stately Wayne Manor... Atomic batteries to power, turbines to speed. All right, chum, our work is cut out for us. We've got to find a Fabergé egg and review Batman Universe! Wait a minute, why does the Batmobile have atomic energy? Isn't that kind of dangerous? That's very dangerous. He also has a dinosaur in his house. <laughs> and a giant penny! Anyways, it's the last comic shop, and I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. And, of course, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, J.A. Scott and Chad Smith, who just did a fantastic job recreating, not the beginning of Batman 66. It was, like, typically somewhere in the middle. It was after the bat poles and all that other stuff. But... It was seen on every single episode. You knew that once the fake hazard sign fell down and it said Gotham City 15 miles, you knew we were in for an adventure. And we've got an adventure on today's program. As Chad alluded to, we're going to be reviewing Brian Michael Bendis and Nick Darrington doing Batman Universe, a six-part. It's originally a 12-part story when it was back in Walmart times. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so we only read the first six issues? No, no. It's six issues. But it was originally part of the Walmart $5 Giant series, where you would get 12 pages at a time. Oh, oh so it's six Giants. issues, but, but you got it on layaway. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you got some other stuff, too. But yeah, pretty much. Well, uh, you know, uh, what I wanted to talk about on today's program, in addition to that, was, uh, again, since we're talking about the Cape Crusader, I thought it would be a wonderful opportunity to talk about the other big part of any Batman story, which is Batman's rogues gallery, right? I mean, honestly, other than Batman, his supporting characters and his rogues gallery, that's really what brings you to the book. And I think that he's got... Uh, the second best rogues gallery in comics. I, I still think Spider-Man's the best. So I thought on today's program, we would give all of our fans out there our picks for the, the best member of the rogues gallery from Batman. So we'll start off with Chad. Chad, what is your pick for the best member of that rogues gallery? We already alluded to the fact that I am a Batman 66 fan. And so one of the best on that show and one of the Batman's best villains is the Riddler. He's got the gimmick. He's got the, the style and the panache. And he's not so over the top like the Joker where that just gets kind of too abrasive. Like the Riddler, he might be a good guy in a story. He might be the bad guy. He's probably the bad guy. But he's always going to be fun. And I think he, he's the embodiment of what the Batman villains are all about. He's got his gimmick. He's got his style. He's pretty awesome. I agree. The Riddler is pretty cool, but I think it's just because Frank Gorshin was just the best villain on that, that 66 show. He was the only one with menace in his eyes. 
Yes! Like, everybody else seemed like they were there for some sort of, like, disco tech party. Not Frank Gorshin. He was he there had... to put on boxer shorts and mess somebody up. What's your take, then, on the Jim Carrey Riddler? Um, the same as uh, my take on Garbage King. <laughs> I'm not a fan of that one. <laughs> well, th- there are things to put trash in? I, I, I don't get the analogy. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not as good as the Riddler. <laughs> I'm like a Jim Carrey level. But yeah, that was that was not cool. There's a level of control that the Joker doesn't have. The Joker's just flat out crazy. And that's what Jim Carrey got wrong. He went over the top with the craziness. But like the Riddler, this guy not only has to commit crimes, he's got to think up little tiny riddles and, you know, put things in notes and boxes and things and hide them for Batman. He's got to plan that stuff out. It is a lot of logistic work, for sure. Uh, J.A., what is your favorite Batman uh, rogues gallery member? Oh, my favorite Batman rogues gallery member is a uh, no-brainer. It's got to be Catwoman. Oh! Meow. Meow, exactly. She is not a Batman villain anymore. She, like, she made her face turn, like, 20 years ago. Oh, that's just because she became popular and writers had a hard time writing the anti-hero bad guy thing then. So we got to make her good so we can write stories about her and the kids will read it when the kids liked her because she was bad. So, no, thank you very much. She is firmly entranced in the Batman rogues gallery. And I like all the portrayals of her, by the way. If you're talking Michelle Pfeiffer, meow. If you're talking Eartha Kitt, meow, meow. What about Julie Newmar? Are you going to forget all about her? Of course, you cannot forget Julie Newmar. And thanks for everything. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, my favorite member of the Rogues Gallery has to be Two-Face. Uh, I've always been a huge, huge fan of Two-Face, and uh, Two-Face is more of Batman's, like, evil alter ego, because I think he takes everything that Batman's doing, and he kind of just takes it one step too far. He's Batman if Batman had a really bad day and got half of his face messed up. Like, cause that's <laughs> I thought that was Azrael. Uh, no, Azrael was just, he was misguided, at the very least. Oh, no, okay. No, it, Harvey Dent had similar mo to bruce wayne in which he wanted to stop crime he you know he was good looking he was athletic and all this great stuff and then he had a bad day and somebody threw acid in his face or he was a bomb or whatever the origin story you're going to commit to and as a result of that he had his falling down moment i'm going to pretend that i still want to be a champion for order when in essence it's just a really veiled order that's like entrenched in chaos because he flips that coin which is i think the awesomest thing that anybody can ever do like when you flip the coin and you say my order is determined by a probability that's in essence chaotic plus he had one of the best two-parters of batman the animated series like i will challenge anybody not to watch the original two-face two-parter from batman the animator series and not get choked up i was just surprised nobody said Ice to see you. Well, that was a great episode of the animated series. I think that one got their Emmys. That's true. It did. I think they should have just stuck with that. And I hope that you stick with us for our review of Batman Universe Plus, a special guest coming up right after these messages. Have you ever been reading through a sack of comics and thought, maybe I should see what the Sarkham Asylum game is all about? 
or been playing Marvel vs. Capcom and felt like you were at a real disadvantage since you didn't know who half the characters were? Well, Play Comics is the show for you. I'm Chris, and each episode we take a look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material. So whether you know the comics and want to know how all these games work, or you know the games and want to find out where all this craziness came from, go check out Play Comics at playcomics.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop. And before we get to our book review for this week, we've got a special treat for all of our fans. We've got John Engel from New Dimension Comics and the Three Rivers Con, one of the greatest comic cons here in the great city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is going to be happening this weekend. And we wanted to bring him on today's show because... I will be honest, I'm super excited just to go to a con. Even if it's in a parking lot, I don't care. I just need to get oh, to a con. Yeah, we need to temper expectations a little bit. This is not your traditional show. So, John, why don't you tell us what is Three Rivers Comic Con going to look like? Well, first, thanks for having me on, guys. This is great. It's good to see you guys again. I'm glad you guys are all staying nerdy and healthy. So, Three Rivers Comic Con this year, we're actually putting a tag on it and calling it Light. For a couple of reasons. One, it's a beer joke, and we make our own beer for the shows. This year, we'll not have a beer. Two, because it's outside in the daylight. Um, and three, because it's uh, on a smaller scale. So there's your three jokes in one. Uh, three Rivers Comic Con Light. So this year, because of the pandemic and, and a lot of the restrictions, we had to get creative in a way to do this. And as more people are getting vaccinated and things are lightening up, it is helping us a lot with being able to do things outside. So we partnered with the waterfront, uh, which is where we had la- the 2019 show. Uh, I want to say last year, but obviously that didn't happen. Uh, we came up with this idea of throwing it into a parking lot. It's called the overflow lot. So it's the space that's between the old steak and shake and the farmer's national bank. There's actually like a parking lot by the main road. So we're going to pack that thing with tents i think i did the math today and it's somewhere around a hundred vendors or creators vendors like comic vendors we have nerd crafters we have smaller press creators and then we have guys like sean gabarin uh who worked for action lab for a long time did puppet master george broderick jr who used to work for uh innovation comics and does a lot of cartooning in pittsburgh and ernie steiner who had worked on nick fury uh yeah so that's cool. And then uh, to, you know, we're also going to have uh, Aftershock Comics there as a, Very as a publisher. Cool. Yeah. Yep. They're they're awesome. We've we've supported them a lot. It will mostly be like a representative of them. They will not be taking submissions, so don't do that. Uh, okay. <laughs> it, it starts at noon. Well, technically it starts at 10 if you want to pay 5 bucks for a 2-hour early bird and you can buy that at the store uh, that morning or you can do it Friday all day at our waterfront location you can get your wristband and be ready to roll for 10 o'clock so from 10 to 12 the only people that can shop are the people with the early bird wristband for the extra five bucks but at 12 o'clock it is free for everybody from noon to seven so we are following pa covid mitigations. so whatever the mitigations are at that point that's what we're dealing with Right now, it's still looking like mass because uh, of the crowd size. So be prepared. Well, I, <laughs> not yeah, that I'd you're not used to it stuff. now. 
right? I, I'd rather stay safe. I, I'm just, again, I'm excited to just have a con. You don't understand what a long right. year it has been. And I think that <laughs> even with the, the, the couple creators that you've got with Aftershock Comics being there, with the vendors being there, with the comic books being available, I just want to go through some long boxes. I just, I just really need to That's it. some dollar boxes and, and just, and just be around other comic book fans. So I'm really, really looking forward to three rivers con this year. And I would yeah. dare say too, this almost feels like a throwback to like the olden days when cons would just be in a hotel lobby. Like you're taking it back. It's you're going retro and yeah. somehow meeting the needs of our modern times at the same time. I think it's really awesome. Uh, you're getting folks out there and keeping the, the comic book love going. Yeah, as I was so, talking to our uh, our board, I said, we're at the precipice of a dam that is everybody that wants to go to these cons and do things and, and be around people, but they can't yet because of the, the pandemic and the restrictions. And as those things let loose, that dam is going to crack open and it is going to burst and it's just going to be crazy. Um we, we hope that it's not super crazy because obviously we don't want to have to like call police for anything because that would right. suck. But uh, Ryan's <laughs> style, yeah. <laughs> right, right. But no, we are, it we're sounds very, like you're uh, doing it the right way. Yeah, yes. we're we're trying to be proactive in it um, and and take care of everybody at the same time and not put anybody in jeopardy. And it's it's going to be a fun time no matter what because I know a lot of these people haven't really seen anybody in a while and are just itching to to just see people you know um and i i think that's 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 cool like we're we're excited to see people too i mean we see them in the stores but we really want to we want to see this thing continue on and we didn't want to go a whole nother year of not having a show and then we're going to have a similar event in october with more information coming on that so well maybe you can get some beer some beer back for that one i mean it'll be around oktoberfest and i've always enjoyed the the beers at the three rivers con so real quickly john though before i let you go do you have a couple comic book recommendations you might want to throw out to our fans just a couple new things out there on the market that they should check out sure shadow man by valiant is is awesome it's back colin bunn the master of horror uh has has written a great book you should definitely check that out uh, Scout put out an awesome book called Galactic Rodents of Mayhem, which oh. is think uh, biker mice from Mars type thing. Uh, and, and in true Scout fashion, it's a single floppy of number one, and then it'll be released as a graphic novel. They did that with uh, Metal Shark Bro 1 and 2, and they both did very well. So make sure you check those out too, because they're they're awesome. The Beta Ray Bill that Marvel's been putting out has been killer. Uh, yes. Deja Thoris yes. from, Diamond, or from Dynamite has been excellent. Uh, Dan Abnett's been just crushing that book. Yeah. Dan does so much good stuff. Like anytime he gets on a book, like I, whether it's that, I, I loved his run on Masters of the Universe when he was doing like that whole Eternity War thing or whatever. Yeah. He was doing that for DC. Uh, so he does that high fantasy cosmic stuff real great. Aftershock has Nuclear Family. That's been great. Uh, Vault put out Witchblood, which is kind of interesting as well. It's kind of got like a Buffy vibe to it. She's the witch and the vampires are like basically bloodthirsty for witch blood it's like the best tasting blood ever so uh it's that mixed with like a wild west with like motorcycles so it's it's pretty much like the funnest thing in the world this locale (laughs) blood it's so great i know right it's the best tasting stuff i only drink witch blood (laughs) 
Which blood well, is the only blood to have the like, blood? It's like my French press <laughs> coffee. You're not giving that to me. Forget it. <laughs> That's awesome, John. You gave us a ton of great recommendations. And I'll tell you what, you're excited about the people coming to the show. I'm excited about the comics. So I'm, I'm really well, that too. pumped. Yeah. We've got some, some new stuff to check out. Make sure you guys come out and, and you'll definitely find some comics for sure. All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for stopping by at the last comic shop. And uh, we hope to see you at Three Rivers Con this week. And uh, John. I will definitely be there. I will see you guys there. Take care and stay safe, guys. All right, so now on to our bread and butter for every last comic shop episode, and that is our comic book review. And as I said before the commercial break, we are doing Batman Universe by Brian Michael Bendis with art by the terrific Nick Darrington. I'm going to say it up front. Because I love Nick Darrington art. I have been waiting to do this book for a long time just because he is the bee's knees, in my opinion. Uh, so, Chad, other than Brian Michael Bendis, which everybody knows, and Nick Darrington, which I hope everybody knows by the end of this episode, who else worked on this six-issue story? Well, you're forgetting about Dave Stewart on Colors, who you might know him from his work with Mike Mignola, um, or he's been around for a generation of you know making comics, making great comics. And then we have Josh Reed on Letters. But uh, one thing that's neat about this book, this actually originated back, and I want to say it was 2018, when Brian Michael Bendis first came to D.C. and also coincided with a program that D.C. was doing with Walmart where they would put out these 100-page giant issues. And so they took the guy that was writing Batman at the time, and they let him write the Superman 100-page giants. And they took the guy that was writing Superman at the time, which was Bendis, and they gave him the Batman version. And they were really cool. They had uh, like four different comics therein. You would get a brand new story with, like I said, the Bendis and Darrington stuff, and then you would get some of the Jim Lee Hush storyline. And they would do New 52 Nightwing and then Batwoman or Harley Quinn. Uh, it was a neat way to introduce folks to comics. And then when the pandemic hit, they stopped. What? I know. So they just stopped around. Like issue five was the last issue for a lot of these things where, you know, we we're anticipating them going to 12 or 13 issues like the previous run had. But Walmart, instead of doing the 100 page giants, now they just pack four or five recent comic books together. And they'll sell that to you for 10 bucks. Ah. And that's how you get your Walmart comics. Oh, that's a sad. Although I, I, I used to get those four packs at Walmart back in the 90s. That's how I got my Jim Valentino Guardians of the Galaxy issues, which I didn't realize if you got multiple packs, they still gave you the same comics. Because there was like a different one on the cover. And I was like, oh, there's it's going to be different. No, I just got the same four issues. Four you thought it was like baseball cards. Ooh, maybe I'll get a rookie card. Oh, no, it's the same thing again. <laughs> they had to put them somewhere. Where's my stick of gum? Uh, but in any case, uh, let's get the 10 cent synopsis from J.A. Scott. So what happens in Batman universe? Does he... Does he travel the universe? Is it a universe of Batmans? What What's happening here? He does travel the universe a bit. So basically, uh, it starts out Batman's chasing Riddler because Riddler has stolen this Fabergé egg that once belonged to Jonah Hex. And uh, it turns out that this Fabergé egg is actually just a container holding a very powerful uh, cosmic device, which by the end, spoiler alert, you find out is a power ring 
of the Green Lantern Corps. And the big bad throughout the whole series is Vandal Savage, who's been chasing this power ring for centuries, trying to get a hold of it. Uh, the big issue is that the power ring is broken. So it is emanating power and uncontrollably, and uh, the subroutine's wrong, and, and Batman gets involved, and, and Ring takes over Batman, and suddenly Batman doesn't exist, and then he's locked in this pocket universe, and uh, he gets transported over to the Hawkman universe for a little bit, and they say hi, and he's like, yeah, I know Hawkman! I'm the Batman! I'm like, who are you? I'm the Batman! Let me go! But can you fly? No, I just glide. Well, that's kind of lame. <laughs> um, and ultimately, uh, Batman has to figure out what's going wrong with the ring and fix it before the Green Lantern Corps beat him up because this is too much power for even Batman to handle and it's going to rip apart the universe and blah, blah, blah. And it is a very nice six-issue, self-contained, fun story that's got lots of humor, lots of great action, jumps around in time, jumps ar across the universe, is a bit cosmic in spots, but ultimately is still very much a quintessential Batman story. Well, I was going to say, before we go too far, you're not buying this book for the plot. You're buying this <laughs> book because Batman teams up with Green Lantern and there are dinosaurs. That's or Batman teams up with Hawkman and he gets Hawkman wings, even though you know it wasn't officially Hawkman. Mm. Or Batman is going to the old west <laughs> and smelling like somebody who lives in the old west. Like that's what this book is about. It, well, I'm glad that you brought up the fact that you weren't buying this book for the plot mm. because, uh, and this is just my initial thoughts. You know, I, I was very excited to read this book. Because, again, I'm a big fan of Nick Darrington art. I have liked Nick Darrington since I saw him originally on the Young Animals version of the Doom Patrol series. And I loved it. I loved how he drew Robot Man and Mr. Negative and, and, and all those great characters from Doom Patrol. So I was very excited to see him take a crack at a lot of the other members of the DC Universe, which is what I got in this book, which was awesome. Like, he has a really great style uh, that's very reminiscent to me of another artist that I really, really love, which is Mike Allred. It's very cartoony, it's very stylized, but at the end of the day, it just looks nice on paper. But uh, when, it, when it came to this, I was also excited because I'm like, I like some Brian Michael Bendis stuff. I like the way he has people talk to one another. <laughs> like, his dialogue, as I brought up on an earlier show when we talked about Brian K. Vaughn and how... People that have the first name Brian just seem to know how to write comic book dialogue. And that's the case with Brian Michael Bendis. The only problem with Brian Michael Bendis dialogue is if you read one Brian Michael Bendis book and then you read another one, they all talk the same. Like, this isn't the way that Batman talks. This is the way that Brian Michael Bendis characters talk. This isn't the way that Hal Jordan talks. This is the way that Brian Michael Bendis, Hal Jordan talks, which is the same way that Brian Michael Bendis Kingpin talks and the same way that Brian Michael Bendis, uh, Miles Morales talks. They all talk the same. And so from a dialogue perspective, it's real crisp and poppy and it sounds nice. You know, it's like Ernest Hemingway, where you, you write one real sentence. That's all you need in a book. Well, he writes a lot of real dialogue. This is the way that real people talk to one another. It's the only problem is it all sounds the same. Like there's no character behind this Batman. He's, I mean, interrupt me at any point, guys, if I'm getting this wrong. 
Uh, the, the problem is, you're wrong, and you're not wrong. Uh, this is what Bendis does, but also, this is what you pay Brian Michael Bendis for, right? And we've had this conversation uh, way, way back, where Batman by himself as a character, he's so undefined. That's really the best part about the character, is you can make him do whatever you want. If you want to make Batman into a campy Adam West style, let's go get him, chum. You can do that. If you want to make him talk like Christian Bale, you can do that. If you want to put him with the, some glasses and a duster jacket and call him Batfleck and give him a brand, it's stupid, but you can do that. The character is malleable enough that really yeah. it comes down to the personality of the creators. Batman is a, like the ultimate mirror into what the creator wants to become and wants Batman to become. I agree. He's so big and he's so defined not by his character but by the environment more that you put him in, I think. Like Spider-Man is defined by who he is and, and the values and, and yeah. everything. He Batman has a personality. Is very much, right. And Batman is very much defined by where you place him. In that moment, that's why Batman Elseworld stories, I think, work so well. Because Batman can be put into the Wild West, and it works. You can put Batman in, you know, London, England during the time of Jack the Ripper, and it works. He's not of our time. He's of any time, of any moment. And I think that's why I enjoyed this book so much, was that, you know, I could see that this was a Batman book. Because Batman books can be anything. They can right. be camp. They can be hardcore horror they can be you know anything in between it's a batman book because batman is in it and that's what makes a batman book you can do whatever else you want. right well and, and that's, that's why the, that's why batman lego batman is so great the bruce lee quote he's like when you pour water into a pitcher the water becomes the pitcher be like water. that's what batman is batman is like water he's not he doesn't have a taste to himself but he's whatever taste you need him to be he fills whatever container you need him to fill uh. that's batman see I, I, I get it i, I i'm not going to disagree with you you guys have made valid points and i do agree that's why you can put him in elseworld stories but again and maybe i'm super critical of brian michael bendis i i think chad has pointed out at, at times that i can be a little bit critical of of bendis's writing and, it, and it's simply because like i don't know maybe i was expecting more from this series maybe i was maybe i had really high expectations i was like oh man it's gonna have batman he's gonna be meeting up with dinosaurs and oh batman's in the wild west and then batman gets awesome power armor and he gets to team up with nightwing which was cool i won't lie the i really love spread that was more nick darrington art than it was brian michael bendis writing come on that tube that one page spread with them running around inside the ship beating up all the ninjas that was nick darrington but that doesn't Let's, make it less awesome i didn't say it wasn't less awesome yeah. but I'm, what ben, i'm saying bendis, is bendis put them on the ship he's the one that allowed it to happen that's oh, right good gravy and what about the page with the dinosaurs and batman's like i love dinosaurs and like what he's like yeah you i do? have a giant yes. one of my cave <laughs> that like, was oh yeah i need a cave I, again 
It's like Hemingway when you there's like lines that are true. And so like that was a line that was true. That was one of those moments where like, why hasn't ever anybody ever said this before? Because it makes sense. He has a dinosaur in his cave. Of course, Batman likes dinosaurs. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. But at the same time, like Hal Jordan. Is Hal Jordan, is he a pitcher of your of your glass of water or whatever? Okay. Yes. And here's why. And this is com- comes back to something J.A. had talked about uh, off show one day. He's like, why don't we pick a DC book in continuity? And the reason is because DC continuity sucks. Because DC characters, they are more about being icons. They're more be- about being gods. And, you know, you put them in these various roles. And that's why the Elseworld stories always tend to work better. Because the regular DC continuity, their characters aren't strong enough. They've been around for too long and been stretched in too many different ways. They're not defined enough to be well-developed characters anymore. And so they're all like that. Like, what is Hal Jordan's personality? Hal Jordan's personality is whatever he makes the ring into at that moment. The giant fist. So what you're saying is that basically Brian Michael Bendis is the perfect writer for DC because none of them have personality, so he can just give them all... His personality, so he's recycled from six other books that he wrote before? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> well, that, that, that's what, how I feel reading this. I read this dialogue, and I'm like, this is really great dialogue for Batman and, and Green Lantern going on their Wild West journey. But I'm like, I think I read this before between Peter Parker and Miles Morales. Mm. I think I read this be- before between... Uh, Luke Cage and um, and his oh. Danny Rand. Like, this is the same conversation. Well, Luke, we're back in the Old West. Yeah, it really smells bad. Like, remember in New Avengers, whenever they had Electro there, and Luke Cage was standing in front of him, he's like, what do you do with it normally? And Spider-Man's like, normally I just web up my hands and hit him. And he's like, all right, web me up. And then right. Electro faints. Because he's a coward. That was great. It, it is. But it was great the first time that you saw it. Now this is a retread. I'm just trying to point out that even though there were great moments of dialogue in this, it felt like it was a retread. It was a repeat. It was something that if it hadn't been for the Nick Darrington art, this would be somewhat forgettable, in my opinion. And that's sad to say because it had Batman and dinosaurs. And what the hell was up with the power ring at the end? I don't. I, I didn't buy that at all. I, I just didn't. I wish. I honestly wish they wouldn't have shown us what was in the Fabergé egg. Like I wish they would just would have kept it as a mysterious MacGuffin. Or maybe they open it up and it was Brian Michael Bendis's head. I don't care what was in there. It was just messing up the time and giving you a reason to move from one issue to the next. All the Green Lantern Corps shows up and was like, oh, we're going to arrest you. Where's that coming from? Mm. Most of them have worked with Batman. They're not going to arrest Batman. Are you <laughs> sure? Batman's a super dick. Of course they would arrest Batman. Also because they have no sense of humor. And that's what I always get from the Green Lantern Corps. They're the worst kind of do-gooders. They're the ones that can't see anything gray. Everything's got to be black and white, or in this case, green and white and, and black. <laughs> And they're like, if you're not with us, you're against us, and we must take you down. No, like, it didn't It didn't oh. make any sense okay, at all. Okay, to your point, and I can't tell, I'm working it out of my head, if you're either the perfect person to do this review or the worst person to do this review, and I think it's both. <laughs> okay, we alluded to this a little bit earlier, but the history of this was 
when Bendis left Marvel and signed his exclusive contract with DC, he had only ever written one small short story for DC before. And so this, along with his work on Superman, this was Bendis's entry level into the DC universe. Where the, the DC fans, the, you know, are secretly jealous of what the Marvel fans have had for years to the point that they went out and they bought a Bendis. This is what they wanted. They wanted the Ollie Queen, you know, with that little bit of snap to him. They wanted the that Brave and the Bold style interaction. Like, did we fight? Did I win? And uh, Batman's like, of course. I, I feel, feel shame. shame. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that was awesome. But that's that's what you pay for. And so... You're you're simultaneously right in the fact that is it a retread in a way like this is his style this is this is what you're bringing to the yard so if you don't like that you're not going to like this at all but at the same time if you're a DC fan you're like holy crap there's Bendis writing Green Arrow oh there's Bendis writing Green Lantern holy crap there's Bendis writing Batman in the old West hanging out with Jonah Hex Green Lantern's making him throw up. <laughs> But how did he like survive from like the bullet wound in the chest? Like how did, did how did the that Fabergé work? egg wanted him to survive? Why did the Fabergé egg? Because they it picked him. Yeah, because he was he's the most wasn't explained. No, they alluded to it. It's fine. They they alluded to nothing. I I think you're I think you're putting on some rose colored glasses, sir, and saying they gave me Batman in in a Hawkman costume, and of course I'm just going to give this a free pass. No, I, I I'm happy that they put this out in Walmart's. I won't lie, because again, this is approachable Batman. This is very approachable Batman. Like, that's the greatest thing about Brian Michael Bendis. He makes stuff that's like cotton candy. It tastes good regardless of who you are. You're going to eat it because it tastes good. And, and it makes sense. No, no, it doesn't make sense. But it tastes good. And you, it doesn't have to make sense. And it doesn't have to Lucky make sense. charms don't make it, a lick of sense. It's empty Heart calories. stars, moons, and clovers at the same time. What the it's, hell? Come on, you can't say that you didn't get excited in issue five when the Fabergé egg is all glowing and Batman's there and then he just breaks into, in the brightest day, in the blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. You're like, what? Ah! Oh man, no. that already had me. They had me when Batman had his techno suit on. Do you guys remember back in the 90s when they had that digital art Batman book that came out? I can't think of the name of it, but like, that was the bat symbol in that book. And he's there and like, the cave is, it's, you know, the 3D technology where he's working in the cave, yeah, but he's not yeah, really yeah. in the cave. That's awesome. You just hate Brian Michael Bendis. I do not just hate, well, okay, I hate him a little bit. I don't, <laughs> just a little tad bit. There have been a lot of Brian Michael Bendis books I've liked. And, and I won't lie that there were moments in this one that I liked. You're I just just thought, mad he blew up Vision 15 years ago. Well, wouldn't you be? Wouldn't no, you be? No, I, I I'm was, not. I was very disappointed in that. And you know what? He stayed dead for like 15 years. Nobody would touch Vision. for. He was like radioactive. He was like, ugh, I don't want to write a Vision book after Bendis blew him up. And I was, anyways, I'm not going into that. I, I, I won't lie. I liked it when he said like, oh, we're going to get the dynamic duo back together. And I like, again, I really like that Nightwing ep- issue. I think that was the best issue of the whole bunch. But at the same time, that's, issue six didn't make any sense at all. Like, it just didn't. Like, he runs into the power ring. What the heck's that? That was great, though. Whenever you see Batman 
being the guy who's in ultimate control of things. And he's there in that white space. He's like, all right, I'm Batman. Patience, breathe. This could be fun as long as my physical body's okay. And then the very next thing is that two-page splash. And Nightwing's like, Batman's physical body is not okay. Ah! But I don't understand how any of the, the Green Lantern Corps would think they were going to arrest Batman. Who right? cares? I, I don't want to go back to this because, like, haven't you ever seen what? What is it? The what, Tower of Babel or whatever, yeah. where Batman has like a, a way to defeat everybody in the freaking DC universe, including like, you Green gotta Lantern. Remember, it's a DC book. It doesn't matter. Continuity doesn't matter. You just need to enjoy the story for what it is in the moment because it doesn't matter. None of it matters. It's a DC book. <laughs> Oh, this from the guy that was crapping on Superman versus Imperius Lex a couple weeks ago? Said that was right. cotton candy fluff, but this cotton candy fluff is fine. Because right. it's, it's, it's more enjoyable. <laughs> and they sold uh, this at the freaking circus. You go to Walmart, pick this up, and like, oh, okay, I like this. All right, well, we'll be right back with more Last Comic Shop right after these messages. We're going to get our grades for this, and I won't lie... You'll be surprised by what my grade is going to be. He secretly loves it. He loves Bendis. They're smooching out in the back. My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the fifth annual live stream for The Cure. To do that, I brought along two people whom I couldn't do this event without, Gerald Morris and Dan Brennick. Over the past four years, the live stream for The Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air. Tune in May 19th through the 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer. Together, we can make a difference. back with more of the last comic shop and as you just heard we will be participating in the live stream for the cure event this upcoming weekend yes may 22nd at 11 o'clock a.m eastern standard time you will get an extra hour of the last comic shop as we review live superman versus the amazing spider-man the battle of the century that's right and not only will we be on that particular program, but the folks that are running a live stream for The Cure will be participating in that. So you get some great folks from the Netflix and Swill uh, podcast. Uh, they'll be joining us for this particular uh, review. And so that we hope all of our last comic shop fans come out and support it. As you heard on the ad, it is to support the Cancer Research Institute. Again, you can check out our Twitter page, uh, our Instagram page. There's going to be links to how you can watch the, uh, the live stream for The Cure, not only during our particular portion, but the entire marathon, which runs for, gosh, I think it's like four days or something like that, with podcasters from throughout the globe. So go make sure that you go out to livestreamforthecure.com, and there will be a link how, has, how you can watch our review live. Help us help a, a bunch of great people help a great cause. That's right. We can make a difference. And one way we make a difference every single week is through our ratings. 
where we prove to some folks that we just don't have a vendetta against Brian Michael Vendis, that our comments and our opinions are valid and should be heard <laughs> among those people that genuinely enjoy the comic medium. And so, of course, we're going to have a one out of four scale for rating Batman Universe. And it comes uh, straight from our co-host, J.A. Scott. So how are we going to do it this week, J.A.? Well, I was thinking Power Rings, but that's too much on the nose. So we're going to go with my favorite MacGuffin from the Octopussy movies, Fabergé Eggs. (laughs) You're going to have to find some Vincent Price from the old TV show, an egghead. (laughs) Oh, that would have been a good one, too. Anyways, it's clucking chickens. It's whatever. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to start off with Chad, who is a huge Brian Michael Bendis fan, and also recommended that we read this book for this week. So, Chad, what is your rating in terms of clucking chickens or Fabergé eggs, however you want to say it? Heck yeah, is my rating. Um, No, this book is so much fun. The Darrington art is beautiful. And the fact is we got a, a sampler platter of the DCU. We have one of Batman's greatest villains with the Riddler. We have a fight with Deathstroke that goes on. We have all those heroes, the Jonah Hex. They're in the Wild West. They're fighting dinosaurs. There was so much fun to be had with this story. You know, who is this best suited for? This is a great entry level. You want to find out about the DC Universe, just like Brian Michael Bendis was finding out about the DC Universe. I think this is a great way to do it. The art is wonderful. The action is great. The plot doesn't make a lick of sense. It doesn't matter. Uh, this is a four-star book. You mean a four Fabergé egg book? Yeah, a four eggs. That's a big omelet. I agree, Chad. I loved it. I, I didn't care that the story was bonkers crazy because I thought it was supposed to be bonkers crazy. It was just fun. It was, And to me, that's, you know, Batman, uh, as we said earlier. One thing that I really enjoyed when they're introducing each new character, uh, and we didn't call this out, the letters were great. They would use that character's uh, logo mark. So, oh my god, it's Green Lantern! Or, it's the Green Arrow! You know, it's just, it, I thought that was a nice little touch as a way of sort of, you know, playing off all this Heroes Gallery and universe, extended universe that DC has that Brian Michael Bendis was playing with. And so I really liked, I appreciated Troy Pateri's uh, lettering, lettering with that. And I don't like to, to break down my eggs. Especially a Fabergé egg. You wouldn't want to chip a Fabergé egg. So um, I don't think it's quite four, but it's not quite off. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to give it a solid three Fabergé eggs. Oh. That's still a pretty big omelet. That's a Denver omelet for sure. You can get some peppers and onions and salt. Yeah, and throw, throw, throw some bacon on the side. and uh, you know. <laughs> Well, here's the shocker, folks. Everybody just heard how I just... I spent an entire segment just talking about how all the problems that I found with Batman Universe. Guess what, folks? You know what my rating's going to be for this book? It's a four out of four. Primarily a four out of four because of Nick Darrington. I won't lie. (laughs) That uh, fantastic spread in issue five alone where Batman and Robin are fighting through floor after floor of ninjas is just a sight to behold. But the reason why it's four out of four is because I'm rating this based on the fact I'm a podcast host that's attempting to try to bring new comic book readers into a comic book tent. That is my job. My job is not to be some jaded old man saying, get off my lawn, you kids. Mm. If my job was that, 
then this would be like a one out of four because again, it's just me just complaining about things and just my experience has taught me. I, I can complain about Brian Michael Bendis writing because I have read a lot of Brian Michael Bendis writing in other books. You they did complain made... about that. <laughs> <laughs> but for somebody picking this up in a Walmart that maybe has never read Brian Michael Bendis before, this is exactly what you need. This is exactly what brings people into a comic book tent. This is what gets people, to Chad's point, excited about characters like Batman and the other minor characters like Green Arrow or Vandal Savage or Jonah Hex. Like These are characters that aren't on the tip of everybody's tongue. And Brian Michael Brendis takes a, a, a very loose plot and just kind of shoves as much stuff in there as he can because he knows that at the end of the day that for every idea that he's shoving into this book, that's another comic book fan that might come away saying, I want to read now a Green Arrow book, or I want to read a Jonah Hex book, or I just want to read Batman going forward. Which, in this day and age, for me, th that's what we're trying to get after, right? We're just trying to get people to read comic books again. Especially young kids. I don't know why they took them out of Walmarts. Stupid. Mm. Put them in places where kids can get them. The kids will pick them up. Make them big. Make them full of stories. Not only this story, but tens others, like Chad said. This is what you got to do, folks. This is how you get people into the tent. You write things like Batman Universe. So it's a four out of four, even though I didn't like it. They're also slyly introducing characters in here. As this was the first appearance of Ginny Hex, who's gone on to star in other DC properties. So Bendis was planting little seeds. It may have seemed like, you know, only an inch deep, but there were seeds planted there. And one thing we forgot to talk about is that whole nice little interchange between Batman and, and Alfred when Alfred is afraid that Batman has an alien spore inside of him. <laughs> that was Get so out great to watch Alfred lose his beans. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to some other comic books. If you like Batman Universe, here's some other recommendations for you. And uh, we hope that you go to your local comic book shop and pick up some of these recommendations that we will make. And I think they're all related to Batman, right? Sure. Even though they are a current book, a similar book, and a book out of left field, they all feature the Caped Crusader. So, again, if you like Batman Universe, here are some other books you can pick up. And we're going to start off with Chad and his, I guess it's current, because there was a current iteration of this Heck book. Heck yeah. And as a matter of fact, I was uh, reading the, the modern version of Batman Black and White. And if you're unfamiliar with this, basically what DC does is they go to the best and brightest in the business. And they say, we're doing a black and white Batman anthology series. You know, give us an eight page story. And uh, one of the most recent issues, they brought in uh, Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey, which... You may know from things like Young Avengers or The Wicked and the Divine or a number of really great books. But they had a choose-your-own-adventure story with Batman going up against the Riddler. It's only four or five pages. I must have spent 45 minutes trying to figure out how to get to the end of the story. Did you put your thumb on the page? <laughs> yeah! No, you had to. You'd flip back and be like, oh, if this... the. Then go to panel seven. If this, go to panel 42. And it's like, ah! And then it turns out it was rigged from the start. But it was so much fun. That was also along with a really awesome Lee Weeks story. Uh, you had a Gary Frank cover. 
there's a really awesome Nightwing story they snuck in there. But the best and brightest of the comics comics industry have worked on these Batman black and white books, not just this current iteration, but all the way back in the past, including one Brian Michael Bendis. This series was the first series and only series for the longest time where he had DC work before he signed the contract to come and do this stuff. And you mentioned that Alex Toth, his last work at DC was on the Batman black and white. So again, that is a great series just to pick up because it just got, it's got so much history behind it. It's been going on for several decades now and every so often they'll start putting out some more issues and you can either check out the newest ones or to Chad's point, check out some of the older stuff as well. And speaking of older stuff, we've got a similar book and that comes from J.A. Scott, J. A, which one are you picking out from Batman's historic archives? Okay, this comes out of the uh, the doldrums of the 90s when we didn't get a lot of really good stories from Marvel or DC. Everyone can pretty much agree that the 90s was sort of a wasteland. Uh, th- there were some gems here and there. That's good stuff. And that's the, the Nightfall. It was three trilogies that ran Nightfall, Night Quest, Night's End, but for this recommendation, I'll just just focus on the first part, the Nightfall bit, because it's it's twelve issues. Uh, it's I'm sure it's been brought together in various trades over the years. It's a lot of those story points are what they pulled out to use for the third Christian Bale Batman movie with Bane. Batman goes through this trial where uh, they've set him up. Every villain knocks him down, and he's physically weaker and weaker and weaker. And then he fights Bane, and Bane destroys him and breaks his back. And then he he needs to uh, coalesce. And Azrael takes over as the Batman because Gotham needs a Batman. And but Azrael is a bit more violent and doesn't have quite the same code that Batman does. And it was really the start of darker turn for the batman so we start to see a lot more darker uh themes come out and also how batman deals with these criminals that are you know he's been fighting for what 50 years and you know he throws them in jail and they break out and he catches them he throws them in jail and they break out and it's just this never-ending cycle and asriel comes in is like yeah screw that i'm shooting you (laughs) (laughs) but man that was such a fun story to read when that was coming out because that was the first time I'd ever seen a hero have to run the gauntlet. Yeah. Like Bane's big plan, he breaks everybody out, and it's like, sure, Batman can beat all these guys one or two at a time, but when it's 37 of them, there's still a man at the end of the bat part. Right. And so, And it's got some great writing by Denny O'Neill throughout. And it was the end of an era as Jim Aparo finished his storied run on Batman during the, the Nightfall storyline. And you get Jim, Asriel yeah. as the Batman, but, you know, he he wears this, like, super bat armor uh, with art by Kelly Jones. is just incredible. It's a really fun... It's like they took Asriel's costume and they melded it with the Batman costume to make this really futuristic bat armor that just looks wicked. Very cool. Yeah. And it also, it was during the same time as the whole death of Superman. So you had some parallels between the two big DC superheroes uh, well that was one of the main i i enjoy nightfall a lot of the times but because it came on the heels of the death of superman's it's sometimes overlooked by some because it was kind of i hate to say it when i was that age i looked at it as kind of like a retread they were like oh 
they did that with Superman already. And I was like, I don't want to read the Batman one because they did with Superman already. So mm. I it's much better. It's much more nuanced. And it holds up better over time, I feel, than the Death of Superman book. Because the I'm problem with, with the Death of Superman is he's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> so... All right. Well, Out of Left Field this week is another Batman uh, book. It was one that I, I recently read that I had been putting off for quite some time. But when, when I knew that we were going to do a Batman show, I finally got around to it. And I'm really glad that I did. It is Jiro Kawata Batman Manga. For those folks that don't know a lot about the Batman manga, in 1966, uh, the Batman TV series was exported to Japan, and it was extremely popular, like it was everywhere else. Like, this is no surprise. But as a result of that, an officially licensed Batman manga was published for about a year uh, in the Shonen King magazine, and uh, Kawata was primarily known for co-creating uh, a character called Eight Man, and his kind of superhero and scientific detective mangas. But, you know, again, it only ran for a year and then it was largely forgotten until another great Batman name, David Mazzuchelli, uh, went over to Japan and basically helped rediscover this series. And in 2008, uh, they put out a book called The Batmanga, The Secret History of Batman in Japan, compiled by Chip Kidd. And, and since then, a fully translated uh, collection was released in 2014, and that's what I'm talking about today. I'm just going to say that it was just fun. And again, if you like this Batman universe, then this is right up your alley because you get, I don't know, villains named Lord Deathman and another one called Dr. Gorilla. I'm sorry. I got to get a T-shirt that says Dr. Gorilla on it. That's the best name for any supervillain ever, hands down. Dr. Gorilla tells you to take your medicine. You're taking your medicine. That's right. But it, it doesn't matter if it's just a, a stack of bananas. You're going to eat it. Very similar to a lot of other uh, Silver Age uh, Batman in which the, the plots are kind of wonky. But it's nice cotton candy type Batman for you to, to, to chew on. And the most interesting thing about it is that some of the characters from this Batman actually show up in other Batman books. Uh, Lord Deathman, who I just made a fun of, actually appears in uh, Grant Morrison's Batman Incorporated. He's like some he sort of Japanese. He looks real cool. Yeah. And he kind of looks cool in this series, too. The art, as I mentioned, is really, really good. So if you kind of like your Batman a little bit weird, like Batman of Zoranar, then make sure that you check out the Batman manga. So, does, yeah. it, does it read like a manga? Left yeah. To right? It reads exactly like a manga. You read it from left to right, and any case, what's also fun is our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific place where you can check out our website every single week. And again, uh, we've got another Batman episode that you can check out right now. We did a review several months ago of Batman White Knight. So if you like this episode, go back and listen to that episode in our archives. Our reviews are evergreen. So uh, there's never a bad time to listen to more Last Comic Shop. And you can do so by rate reviewing and subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, YouTube, Castbox, uh, Amazon Podcasts, and a variety of other places. And while you're listening to our particular show, you can also check out on our website what JA? Oh, you can check out our merch. Go to our merch store. We've got t-shirts, we've got hoodies, we've got can coolers, all sorts of stuff from the last comic shop. And this week only, if you order, it will come with a power ring in a Faberge egg. How many of those do we have? A lot. 
They're actually those Kinder eggs. Well, wait, ah. those are those are banned in the U.S., aren't they? No, are they, they back come now? Come to the states in the last two years. Okay, oh. I've never had one, but I really want to eat a giant toy egg. Well, maybe you can pick up your Fabergé eggs, or maybe your Kinder eggs, or maybe your Batman manga at a local comic book shop. And Chad, how can folks find their local comic shop in, in their area? Well, if you don't have a shop near you that you know of, you can always go to www.comicshoplocator.com, where you can find all sorts of information of great shops, just like the shops we were talking about today, places that might be putting on comic cons, or places where you can interact with people and not rub elbows because they're socially distanced still, uh, but there are tons of places out there for you to get your comic fix. Check out the Comic Shop Locator to find one near you. All right. And yeah, and if you're in the Pittsburgh area this weekend, make sure that you check out Three Rivers Con. That's down at the waterfront in Pittsburgh. After type- you've donated to LiveStreamForTheCure.com. That's the fantastic website where you can be able to watch us this weekend, May 22nd at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Another hour of Last Comic Shop. And until then, I was the host with the most, Andy Larson, joined by Jay, Scott, and Chad. Chad Smith, and until this Saturday, when we hope to see you there, stay safe, stay sheltered, and above all, make sure that if you like dinosaurs, that you keep a couple around your crib. So when a Green Lantern asks you, you can say, yeah, didn't you always know? That's why I got them, because I like them. Green Lantern might have a dinosaur, you never know, because Batman never comes to visit. I'll tell you, I'm going to Thanagar, because I want myself some Hawkman wings. The last comic shop was a 2021 Black Angus production.